Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We are in Matthew chapter 6 in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. The title of the message today is God has your reward. God has your reward. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 1 to 4. We're working through a series I've titled Jesus Worldview, where we look through the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look through his lens. We look and see what he believes, what his opinions are about society, about the world, about all that's going on. And we get to do that today. We get to once again look at Christ and what his teachings say. And I really have loved this series. I really love getting back to Jesus over and over and over again especially in the midst of all that's going on here in our society and in our nation. So many opinions, so many people yelling and screaming at each other, and we get to look exactly at what the Lord Jesus has said and, and find out what the Bible has to say about these things. And so today we will look once again at God's view on these issues. heard of a story. Once there was a millionaire who collected live alligators. True story. He kept them in a pool in the back of his mansion. The millionaire also had a beautiful daughter who was single. And one day he decides to throw a huge party. And during the party, he announces, my dear guests, I have a proposition to every man here. I will give $1 million or my daughter to the man who can swim across this pool full of live alligators. And if you can get out alive, again, you get the million dollars or you get my daughter. As soon as he finished his last word, there was a huge splash. There's one guy in the pool swimming as fast as he could and screaming out of fear. The crowds cheered him on as he was swimming for his life. Finally, he made it to the other side with only a torn shirt and some minor injur injuries. The millionaire was impressed. He said, my boy, that was incredible, fantastic. I didn't think it could be done. Well, I must keep my end of the bargain. Do you want my daughter or do you want $1 million? The guy says, listen, I don't want your money or your daughter. I want the person who pushed me in the water. <laughs> God has your reward. Today.com, February 6th, uh, wrote an article about an employee at Chick-fil-A who did something very, very generous and received kind of a cool reward at the end. Listen to this article. As many people from close friendships with their coworkers have close friendships with their coworkers, but one Chick-fil-A employee had such a tight bond with her coworker that she gave her a car. Haley Bridges, she's only 17 years old, has a friend who's 19, they call Hoku, was commuting to work in Wisconsin winters. Wisconsin. She said, Winters, right? Uh, by bicycle. So when she learned she had won a car at a company Christmas party raffle in December, she knew exactly who she wanted to gift it to. Our friend group and some of our friends decided to put all of our raffle tickets into one. We were all very nervous that someone else would get chosen, but we kept our hopes up. When Bridges heard her name called as the winner of the car, she said the moment was surreal. 
Once my name was called by one of the bosses, Hoku and I looked at each other, and this is when she started to cry. I've never seen her emotional side much. She is a very happy person, very funny and goofy as well. We looked at each other, and I started to cry as well. Bridges, who already had a car, this girl, 17 years old, had been met with another act of kindness following her generosity. She said, my aunt held a fundraiser to get my car completely paid off. And I was paying monthly for the car, and it took a chunk of my paycheck. This girl wins a brand new car, and instead of giving her used car to her friend who needs a car, she gives her the new car, and she keeps her used car. Then her aunt raises a fundraiser to pay off her car. What a cool story. What if we lived in a world where people gave to each other greater than what we give to ourselves? Greater than what we give to ourselves, we gave to one another. What about that kind of world? What if we lived in a world where people didn't give to get, but they give with no desire for repayment? Giving in secret just because you want to bless people as God has blessed you. God has your reward. God has your reward. You see, when God has your reward and you know that he has your reward, you can give so freely here on this earth, it doesn't matter. You don't need to be repaid. This is the Lord Jesus, is it not? Our great king. The example, 2 Corinthians 8 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. The Lord Jesus gave up his wealth in heaven to come down to the earth and to be basically the poorest of the poor on the earth so that he could give you his wealth. How so? Spiritually. He became the lowest of the low spiritually to make you the richest of the rich spiritually. God has your reward. We need to see that today. That is my mission. That's what I hope we walk away with today is that you would see that God has your reward and it would allow us, it would free us to become more like him. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 to 4. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him, to remember whose word we are reading. Matthew chapter 6, let's take a look at verses 1 to 4. It says, Beware, Jesus speaking to his disciples, of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you see all things. Sometimes we feel like nobody sees us. Sometimes we feel like no one understands what we're going through. Sometimes we think that no one is proud of us or nobody is happy with what we are doing. We thank you that you see all things. 
We thank you that you have given us our reward in heaven. We thank you that you are carrying us through even these seasons. And that because our reward is in heaven, because we look to eternity, we can keep living righteously. We can keep blessing those around us. We can keep living as you lived. Keep serving as you serve. Keep loving as you have. Lord, we ask that you would reveal your truth to us now. Deepen our commitment and our love for you. Allow it to minister more to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So the first half of this chapter, verses 1 through 18, chapter 6, is about our religious life of worship and our relationship with God. The second half of this chapter, verses 19 to 34, is about life in general. Practical things in life, like what we eat and drink, family, daily life, the cares of this world. Maybe you thought chapter 5, the last chapter that we looked at, the last six topics we talked about were heart-searching, and they were, remember? Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You've heard it said, all of these things, but I say to you, and he kept getting to the heart of the issue over and over and over again. This chapter, Jesus goes even deeper. Jesus asks us to go deeper in self-examination as we are confronted with ourselves, forced to reflect on who we really are and how it matters in eternity. But we should never run from this. Most people don't like mirrors. <laughs> because it shows what we really look like. Like, I kind of like those dim mirrors, you know? I want it to be dim in there, you know, so I can't exactly see what's going on. I don't want all the white, bright, fluorescent lights. Shows every single flaw. Jesus, once again, when he speaks and teaches his disciples, he speaks in such a way to get them to see what's really going on inside themselves. And again, we have these images and ideas of the Lord Jesus Christ because of all the beautiful miracles and works that he did as being this, I don't know, I think um, almost ultra nice, maybe uh, exteriorly like fake nice, like smile and happy and completely peaceful and almost like monk-like or something, but it's like when you watch him talk, if you just read through what he's saying, you're like, wow, he kind of like, he just says things straight out. And I think a lot of times we get confused on this because of what our culture tries to make the Lord Jesus out to be. But once again, he doesn't allow us to keep the lights off. He doesn't allow us not to look in the mirror. He just says some bold things. Take a look at it closely with me. Jesus begins this section with an opening governing statement that gives context to the next 17 verses. He says, Beware of practicing righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Then you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Did you hear that? Beware. What? Did Jesus ever say the word beware? Yeah, he did. He said, danger, alert, beware. I'll never forget we were um, <laughs> we were in Israel, actually, of all places. Fun story. Um, 
We were trying to find the real place that Jesus was actually baptized in the Jordan River. They have this like religious site set up where everybody goes and they get in these, you know, white robes. They're like, we think this is the place where Jesus was baptized 2,000 years ago. You're like, really? How do you even know that? Well, we think because of that tree over there, you know, maybe they don't have any clue. Nobody actually knows exactly the perfect place of where he was baptized. But people have an idea of the region of where John the Baptist might have been when Jesus got in the water. So we actually tried to go and find that region. Well, we were off-roading in our rental car. Shh, don't tell them. And we were on our way over, and uh, we stopped, and then we started walking towards this big open uh, dirt field, basically. And it's just wide open hills around us. And we're walking, trying to find the Jordan River. And my buddy Jake, he's like walking. And all of a sudden, he looks down, and he sees a sign on the ground and he picks up the sign and turns it over, and it says, Beware landmines. It was from the war. Uh, so they had planted landmines all over in this area, and we're like, Oh, oh. And so we literally turned around and started running the other direction, trying to get out of there. <clears throat> Beware, danger, these types of signs are things to alert us. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, Church, Disciples, listen, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Beware. Don't do it. In order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Point number one, if you're taking notes today, are your works for God or are they for people? When you do something good for somebody, is it to be seen by others or is it because you want to worship the Lord? Who is it for when you're serving, when you are leading? Beware against practicing righteousness before others. Desiring to be seen is dangerous. Seeking to be seen, thinking everybody look at me, crying for attention and desiring glory and praise from others is very, very dangerous. Why? Jesus says, because then you're going to get no reward for it. You're doing it to actually get reward from God, and God says, I don't reward that. For then you'll have no reward from your Father. Why? Because you already have your reward. If you do it to be seen by others, you got your reward. You got it. It's given to you right there. People see you. They're like, great job. They praise you in that moment, and if you're doing it for that, you just got your reward. But if you don't care about that and you're doing it under the glory of God, I do this for you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I want to bless you. This is for your glory. This is for your honor. Then your reward will be in heaven. The Christian life is a balance. We are not to be living righteously to be seen by others, but we are also to be shining our light into the world very loudly. We need to be blasting the light and good deeds unto God's glory into the city, into our church, into our families. But there is a balance. First, we know we are not to be monks or hermits or mad scientists isolated away from the world, saying we do all of our righteous living in secret. Do you live a righteous life? Yes, but no one has ever seen it. I do it in secret only. Really? Our good works are to be seen by others so we can bring glory to God. Let your light so shine before men and women that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So interesting, 
How could Jesus say that, but then say, don't do it before other people to be seen? Notice, it's the motive of the heart. Where is your heart? This is the big question. We're not to be showing our good works so that others will see us and give us praise and reward. We should be doing it with a right heart not to be seen. Still doing it, though. John 12, 42, Jesus said, Nevertheless, many even of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for the fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. They loved the approval of men rather than the approval of the Almighty. What it comes down to is pleasing God or ourselves. Are we truly only concerned about what God thinks in what we do, or are we concerned about what man thinks? Because if we please man, they will be pleased with us, and when they will be pleased with us, we are then pleased with ourselves. Self-gratification. What we, what we want to do is we want to receive the praise of people because it feels good for a moment. Here's the problem. If you live and die on that praise, when they don't give it to you anymore, what happens? You start dying. You're like, I need people to praise me. I need people to give me glory. I need it. I need it. And then all of a sudden, they don't give it to you anymore. It's a form of self-worship. We know God alone deserves worship. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give all that I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Even if you do all these things, if I give everything I have to the poor and I even give over my body to be sacrificed, but I do it to be seen, it's not out of love, and I receive nothing. Jesus is the perfect example Jesus, notice, was not running to the crowds. He ran from them. Jesus grew his church and his following to like five, ten thousand 10,000 people. And then he's like, I'm out. Lord, why are you running from the crowds? I got to go talk with my father. I got to get away. I don't have time. What? But the crowds want to hear you. They want to hear you preach. Yeah, I know, but I got to go pray. Well, how long are you going to be gone for? You see, Jesus grew it. How did he grow the church? How did it grow very quickly? Do you remember? He fed them. <laughs> he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and it says 5,000 showed up. But then it said that when he said hard sayings, the crowd started running away from him. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you won't have any part in my kingdom. And the text says, this was a hard saying, and the people went away. They didn't like it. And then Jesus looks to his disciples and he said, are you guys going to leave too? Like only the 12 are left. It's amazing. He was just doing what his father had told him to do. Jesus was living to please his father, not himself and not the crowds. Very interesting. John 4, 34 says, my food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 5, 44, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? A verse I've had to keep close to heart since we've started the church, Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap. 
but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. If you fear what people think about you, and if you fear what people will say about you, you're setting a trap for yourself. You're going to fall into it. Instead, we choose to fear what God thinks about us and not what people think about us. I'm sorry. Well, I don't like you. I'm disappointed in you. That's nice. I'm interested in whether or not God is disappointed in me. I'm interested whether or not he approves of me. If God approves of me, but the world does not approve of me, you still win. Live to please God, not man, or you will have no reward. If you live to please God only, you win every time. We've got to stop worrying about what everyone else thinks. This city, this city is full of it. It really is full of what thinking about everyone else thinks of each other. And we actually use this to try to manipulate and leverage each other into things. It's really interesting if you break it down and look closely at it. Someone will actually try to pressure you into something by what they think about you. And if you give them that rope, if you give them that rope and say, and, and let, them, let them control you by what they think about you, they've got you by the throat. But instead, if you say, I'm not living to please people, I'm living to please God, you will be free from this trap and you will be able to sleep at night and you won't be stressed out and worried about what everyone else thinks all the time. Who are you living for? It's impossible for us not to be seen in what we do. It's going to happen, but we have to align our hearts to worship God in what we do. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Really, everything should be done for his glory and not our own in the end. Point number two, if you're taking notes, Sound no trumpets. Sound no trumpets. Where'd you get that? Jesus said it. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet. Jesus knew about trumpets 2,000 years ago? I guess so. I don't know who invented the trumpet. I don't know if it was a trombone. I don't know if it was some... Something from a castle with a little flag on the end of it. I don't know. It says, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus gives a picture illustration for us to understand. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. This is really funny to think about. Think this through. You ready? You're about to give to a homeless guy on the street, right? You're like, you know, I'm going to walk up, give that guy, you know, 20 bucks. And before you do, you pull out a trumpet of all instruments. Like, excuse me, attention everyone, I have an announcement. I'm going to give $20 to this homeless guy right now. This is hilarious. It's exaggerated. But a trumpet of all things, I mean, just think about the difference between a trumpet and a, an acoustic guitar, you know, for an announcement. You play like a bright G before you give it to the guy. It's really funny. A sharp trumpet. You, you see the guys like when they really like, 
they, they get the lips like real tight on that trumpet and they can like blast those super high pitched sounds. It's incredible. It is the announcement instrument. That's what Jesus is saying. The picture of a king about to make his entrance, blast the trumpet and the trombone and let everyone know what I'm doing. Who are you giving for? To really bless the person? Or are you giving to receive approval from people? Do you really believe that it is not necessary that people know what you give? I want you to process this with me. Do you really believe that it doesn't matter what you give to somebody else and whether or not anyone else ever knows about it? should really process this with me. Because this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. And really, watch this. When you do something for someone else, when you do something to serve and help someone else, you take your time, you spend money, you give something to someone. Where is our heart at when we do this? Jesus says, don't sound trumpets. Don't make a big deal out of it. I'm not talking about having meetings if you are potentially helping out an organization or giving to a church or meeting with a family. That's fine. Sometimes we need to have a meeting to talk about the needs and figure out what's going on so that we can give to those people specifically. But then if we go around and share that with 20 people, well, I did this for that person. We've lost our reward. We're doing it now to be seen. We're doing it for a reward now. We're doing it so that pe- people will praise us. I'd like to point out and take a moment just to show that there are people in this church who give faithfully to Legacy every single month. They do it quietly, and their treasure is in heaven. There are people who have given very large amounts of money and have no desire to be seen or lifted up here on stage. They are just being faithful with what God has given them, and that means a lot. It's amazing when someone does something like this, especially as a pastor, you're kind of shocked by it. Like, I kind of don't even know how to process it sometimes. It's like, like, this is so beyond me. Like, what are you doing? And you can just see there, there, there is no desire to be seen. There's, there's no desire to even talk about this other than how they're helping with it. But other than that, it's like, let's just move on. Let's just get it out of the way and let's just move on. Let's talk about other things. It's incredible when that happens because you can see that they have come to the realization and understanding why God has given them time or talents or resources and what they're to be used for. Some people, though, like I'm going to give $1 million to help build the church, and I don't want any credit for this. I do it from the bottom of my heart. But can you make a little statue of my face and put it on the front door of the church, you know, so as people walk in, they see me? Maybe, maybe my name could be on the church building as well, you know, with the church's name. Let, let's, let's put the church's name first, of course, then put my name second. Yeah, we, I mean, we want to make sure that's... We have people trying to work angles, I don't know what, you know, to, to get glory, I guess. We have had people basically walk into the church and try to sell me their ministry. No joke. The seven years of legacy, people try to sell me their ministry. I'm like, huh? I'm sure there's a really a part of them that wants to help, but 
The other side is if I don't get positioned soon, I'm out of here and onto the next church. And I couldn't, I couldn't identify it in the beginning. I saw when we started the church, there's all these new people coming in. And I could just see people always working to try to get something. I'm just like, what's going on, you know? And then all of a sudden, I'd, you wake up one day and they don't get what they want and they just bail. And you're like, oh, okay, I, I see. You had a different agenda. Listen, this is a little startling, but I want you to hear it. I want you to understand it. The church doesn't need you. The church doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. God will carry on just fine without us. We need him, and it's a privilege to serve and give him glory. The church doesn't need me. Did you know that? The church of Jesus Christ will carry on just fine without any one of us. And the second that we start thinking we're, we're big shoes, and oh, you know, they, they need me. That's dangerous because now we are, we are getting the corner block on ourselves and saying, I'm an asset here and I deserve to be here and I need this, 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 this. And very quickly, those people get replaced so fast, not by me, by the Lord Jesus. God just picks people up, you're out. Bring somebody in 10 times better than you. And you're like, I guess they didn't need me. So we've got to be careful. What are we doing this for? We need to do this to honor the Lord Jesus alone. What is your motive? Is it to get something or is it for God? Is it for you or is it for the Lord? Why am I telling you this so directly? From a pastor shepherd's heart, I want you to have reward and treasure in heaven. I want your account to be filled there, not here. What if you get all your reward down here and then you walk into eternity, you're like, oh man, I got nothing. I was doing it down there to be seen. I missed it. If you're seeking reward from men and women, you will get it. Then you will receive nothing ultimately from the Lord. That's what Jesus is saying to us, family. There was a running joke there for a little while where if someone wanted to be approved by others or applauded for what they have done, someone would say, you lost your treasure in heaven. Because everybody's clapping for you now. There goes your treasure. It's a joke. But it's semi-true. Because they want their reward now. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, There is no reward from God for those who seek it, ultimately from men. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are actually far from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned. Point number three, if you're taking notes, don't take note. Make no record of your works. Make no record of all that you have done. Don't do it. I did this, and 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 I, and they're not grateful for me. Trust me, we've all been there. I know how it feels too. Do all this stuff, nobody sees it, and you start to grow weary like, man, do they even realize what I do? Nobody's thankful. So you got to get your mind out of that perspective or it will drown you. You have to realize God sees you. God sees everything you're doing, and you will have your reward. And he will bless you, and he will raise you up, and he will honor you. 
Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Don't take notes. Make no record of your own works. That uh, SNL skit, I think it was Stuart, uh, who used to say, look what I can do. You remember that? Remember he used to jump around, look what I can do, look what I can do, look what I can do, look what I can do. (laughs) He lived for the approval of people. That was not in my notes. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. When you give to the needy, verse 3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is deeper than you think. Look closely. How does a person not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing? Is this even possible? Your brain knows what both right and left are doing, so how do you stop it? Jesus is not saying, go brain dead, and somehow, without knowing, give to the needy. That's not what he's saying. He's like, I'm going to give to the needy blindfolded. No, that's not what he's saying. He is saying, don't take record of your works. Stop tallying up all that you have done for others and for the church and for God. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Stop taking notes of all your works or you will have your reward right there on paper. You reward yourself by having your trophy. Your trophy of all the things that you've done. Well, I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this and I did this. Forget about all that stuff. Just live for the Lord now. Stop keeping record of your works and other people's works. Well, they, did, they didn't do that. I don't see them doing this, and I do this. So, who are you doing it for? Is it under the Lord? If it's under the Lord and he's your boss, it doesn't matter. You're doing it for him, and that's all that matters, for his glory. If you keep record, your expectations for others will actually go through the roof, and you'll start thinking and saying, look at what I have done. Why aren't you doing what I'm doing? This is a subliminal thing that we do with our minds. Um, We keep record, we keep little record and track of all the things that we've done in the workplace. Um, We'll even do it at church. We'll do it in our families. We'll do it with friendships. Well, I do all of this. And then you subliminally start tallying up what everyone else around you is doing. And you're like, I do more, I do more, I do more, I do more. And what does that do? The expectations then for the people around you start going up and you start looking down on them. You're like, why aren't they doing what I'm doing? Why don't they think the way that I do? And why don't they this and that? That's dangerous. Notice, Jesus gives the answer. If you just get your eyes on him, say, Lord, I do it for you. I'm, just, I'm, I'm living with my friends this way for you. I'm doing this for my family because of you. I'm doing this for my workplace because of you. I don't work for men. I work for you. This is unto your glory. And you win. You keep winning in the end if you do this. If you focus on the Lord and know your reward is in heaven, everything will fall into place. Don't be like the Pharisee who keeps record of himself. Luke 18, 11. The Pharisee, it says, stood by himself and prayed this prayer. He prayed. Can you imagine somebody praying this? First off, this is crazy. He says, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everybody else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, I certainly not like that tax collector over there. Condescending, self-righteous, 
Oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not like that idiot over there. Oh, I'm so holy, and uh, man, it's because of all the things that I've done. Is anybody watching me pray? Okay, good. Lord, thank you for all the things that I've been able to do, and man, thanks that you're letting me be in your kingdom because I really know that I'm supposed to be here to do great things so that everybody else can see how great I am. This is so dangerous. This is what the tax collect I'm sorry, this is what the Pharisees were doing when they were looking at all the people around them. We do not want to be like this. Jesus also gives a command to give to the needy. Did you see this here in the text? Jesus said, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you give to the needy, sounds as if it's implied. This is what Christians do. This is what disciples do. We give to the needy. Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Did you hear that? Whoever is generous to the poor, to those who don't have much, it's not just meaning the homeless guy or homeless lady on the street. Whoever is generous to the poor, those who don't have, lends to the Lord. And God will repay him for his deed. Did you hear that? When you are giving to someone who doesn't have, it's like you're lending money to the Lord. It's like the Lord is taking out a loan with you. And he is going to pay interest on that loan back to you. He will repay you. It's a beautiful proverb. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Do you know, legacy, do you know when you have enough money in your account? It's when all of your needs are taken care of and you can buy things that you want. Let me say it again. You want to know when you have enough money in your account? It's when all of your needs are taken care of and you can buy something that you want. You've arrived. You're, you're there. You made it. That's how you know you are able to be generous. We are called to bless those and take care of those who come in our path. Don't be stingy. Grow in generosity. I'm noticing about this in my own life. The more I give to the Lord and to people, the more I want to give, and that's how generosity works. You don't, you don't know this when you're young. You know, you're like, I'm not going to give my stuff away. This is all I got. I just got 20 bucks for my birthday. I'm spending it on the ice cream man. There's no way I'm giving this away, right? But as you grow older and you have everything you need, you got everything you need. You can go and buy whatever you want. You can go, you're saving up your money to buy that thing that you want and you get it. When you've arrived at that point, we have to realize that God has filled that bank account and provided for our needs. And anything above that, we need to start thinking about what it looks like to be generous with that. That is important. I'm not here to tell you what generosity looks like. That's between you and God. For the woman on that day in the temple, generosity was her giving two pence. Two pennies. You want to know why? Jesus said she gave more than everybody else because she gave all that she had. She gave everything. She didn't have another dime on her. 
She gave it all. And that's what God's looking at. And again, I want to say this again. Please, I am not here to tell you what you need to be giving. That is ultimately between you and God. But you need to realize the line of necessity and where we as Americans and as people live in Los Angeles, Southern California, we have everything we need. Trust me, we are filthy rich. And we can take care of our brother or sister when they're in need. Because you hope that somebody would do that for you when you are in need, right? I do. So if God has done that for you, in Jesus' name, I dare you to do it. And watch, do it in secret. And watch how it blesses your heart. Those who don't give to God and to others grow greedy. Rich or poor, it doesn't matter. If we don't give, we start to grow more greedy. I almost feel like it's the default setting of our heart is greed. Even if we're poor, we can become very greedy, very stingy with everything. But if we keep giving, keep giving on a weekly, on a monthly, on a whatever basis it is for you, it breaks the mold of greed around our heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If you're like, man, I'm not going to give. I don't want to I'm not helping that person. They're lazy. I'm not doing that. Don't. Don't give. Don't give reluctantly. You're going to have to pry this money from my dulled, cold, dead fingers. Okay. Don't give then. That's fine. And you'll grow more in that direction. You'll grow more cold. But man, it's glorious when you see people who get this, the light clicks on, they're like, no, I know, I know what God has done for me, and I choose to give as he gives. And they're cheerful about it. I'll never forget this. Um, I remember, I think it was year two or three at Legacy. A lot of you guys don't know this. <laughs> we had a lady in the church who was... Uh, she was a she was a caretaker. She she was a caregiver. She would take care of um, older people who were uh, couldn't take care of themselves. And she was an older lady herself doing this. <clears throat> and um, there was there 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 was nothing uh, flashy or spectacular about her. Um, she's very quiet, very humble lady, and just would come in and come out of the church. Just wanted to worship and love. I'll never forget. I don't know, again, I would never think this in a million years. She walked in one day, we were talking about a, some orphans or an orphanage we were trying to help. She walked in one day with $15,000 cash. This, this older lady and says, I want to give this to these kids. And I'm looking at her like, like what? Where did you get $15,000 cash? working as a caregiver for the elderly. You, I don't even know if she had a car. I think I can't remember how she got back and forth, but I remember thinking, like, what are you doing? Like, I, like, I almost wanted to counsel her, like, no, you, you, you need this for your retirement. You need this for later in life. She's like, no, no, I, I'm going to give this. 
Each one must give as he has decided in his or her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And she don't want anybody else to know. Who does this? It's a blessing to give from a secret place and let God do the rest. I know why she did that. She was investing in eternity. She's building a mansion in eternity. We walk in and where's where hey Jesus Lord I was a pastor for you on earth. Where where's my where's my house? He's like, uh, Pastor Josh, is that right? Pastor Josh LA? Okay, is that right? Okay. Uh, you got the shack in the back. Okay, sorry. There's your name on it right there. We put a little dog tag on there. Is that okay? It's gonna work. Well, I'm in heaven, I guess. Okay. And the old woman walks in. Quiet as can be. Where's yours? We built you a castle over in the corner. It is a blessing to give from a secret place. Let God reward you. Point number four, God has your reward. Our final point, God has your reward. He's got it right now. He's got it for you, waiting for you. He's want to bless you. He wants to bless you. So that your giving may be in secret, verse 4, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I'll never forget a brother named Jameson. I, we had him teach. Uh, we used to do these Bible studies in coffee shops. Yeah, we used to take over coffee shops in my early 20s. And uh, we'd set up the acoustic guitar and we'd, we'd do music and then just preach in the middle of this coffee shop. People come in buying coffee. We'd just be doing Bible study with a microphone and everything. We took over this place. It was awesome. We did it like three different coffee shops. Remember, I had one guy named Jameson. He got up and gave a little 15-minute devotional. Real quiet guy. Um, brilliant guy. But just reserved. Kept to himself a lot. I remember, he taught this Bible study about, he called it secret prayer for people. I was like, what? He is like a CIA agent of prayer. Like nobody knew about him. But he was praying for all these different people. He said he'd make a list of all these different people, but he, he'd start praying for them. But he'd never tell them that he was praying for them. It's just between him and the Lord. He's going to pray for them, going to pray for them, going to pray for them. Principles of the kingdom. Giving in secret, praying in secret, and you will be rewarded in heaven. Your father sees. I like that phrase, your father sees. It makes a lot more sense to me now with my little Eden and my little Shep. Because when I look at them, I watch Eden, the way she loves on her little brother Shepherd. He's only two and a half months now. But it's fun because I'll be there at the back of the room. She can't see what I see. But I'll watch her walk up when nobody else is around and she'll be giving him a hug or a kiss and doing all the things that we've tried to show her to do. And it's really beautiful to see her institute the things that Katie and I have tried to show her how to love her brother. Your father sees. Or I love watching from a distance when she's kind to another child. It doesn't happen often these days, but when it does, it's a beautiful thing. She's being generous or she wants to share with what she has. It's a milestone. It's a big one for kids because it's hard to learn those things. Her father sees. And when I see that in her, you know what it causes me as her father to do? 
I want to love her more. I want to bless her more. I want to serve her more. I want to reward her more. And I believe the same is true with our Father in heaven. He sees what you're doing, and he wants to reward you. We will actually receive rewards in heaven. Did you know this? Bible students, do you know what it's called? It's called the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. The Bema Seat Judgment, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For me, we must all appear before the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what we have done, whether good or bad. Did you know that? A lot of you are like, I got saved, I got a ticket to heaven, I'm going to go live like hell now. Peace. Forgiveness and grace, day in and day out, just pour it on me. Pour it on me. I'm going to be living like hell, so I need a lot of it. No, no, no. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Listen, legacy, listen, family, listen, Christian. You will stand before God alone. No one else will be there. It will be you and him. No one else. You will stand before God alone. Where's Pastor Josh L.A.? Get him in here. This, I'm sorry. I won't be there. You will stand before God alone. Psalm 62, 12. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. 1 Corinthians 3.10. Here is the text for this. If you want to go do more Bible study on this, Just listen to this passage. This is the text. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. We are building a house in heaven. Listen. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's our salvation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, you want to build a gold house? You want to build a silver house with precious stones? You can build it with wood, hay, or stubble, but each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed like f- by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. The text is saying that we're building a house in heaven. You're either building it out of gold, silver, and precious stones, good works unto God's glory, or you're building it with wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to come a day when fire will be set to that house in heaven. And if our works are done for our glory, the thing will burn to the ground. There'll be nothing left. The work that anyone has built on the foundation survives. He will receive a reward, it says. If If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What? I don't know how this works. But it actually says that there is a way to somehow suffer loss in heaven. If there is a way to do it, I don't know how, but it says that it's possible that those in heaven, there will be those who have received more than others somehow. Based upon the works, based upon what they have done with what they have been given here on earth, whether or not they were good stewards and brought God glory with what they were given. And it says some will suffer loss Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. It's almost like there's still smoke on your clothes as if you barely escaped hell. Like you, like you just somehow snuck in the back door of heaven because of God's grace and mercy. We ultimately all do somehow sneak into heaven because of his grace and mercy. But it's as if you got into heaven and then you were just lazy your whole Christian life. You did nothing for God's glory. 
It was all for you. It was for your kingdom. I found this poem. I thought it was enlightening and encouraging. It's from an unknown author or source. I don't know where it came from, but it's powerful. It says this, When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and and he shows me his plan for me, the plan of my life as it might have been, had he had his way and I see. I blocked him here and I checked him there and I would not yield my will. Shall I see grief in my Savior's eyes, grief, though he loves me still? Oh, he'd have me rich and I stand there poor, stripped of all but his grace. While my memory runs like a hunted thing down paths I can't retrace. Then my desolate heart and my will will nigh break with tears that I cannot shed. I'll cover my face with empty hands and bow my uncrowned head. No, Lord of the years that are left to me, I yield them to thy hand. Take me, make me, mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. I yield my final years to you. The rest of my time, take me, make me, mold me to the pattern thou hast planned. It's powerful. I'll never forget being over at Core Church LA with Steve one day. And uh, I ran into this older guy. His name's Charles. Old man who does the custodial there. He cleans the bathrooms, shines the floors. He whistles on his way, pushing a broom, doing his thing. And Steve, he told me about him. He said that the guy, the old man came to Steve asking if he needed help because he heard they were looking for a custodial guy. And Steve said, yes. And he says, well, I'd like to do it. He's like, okay, that'd be great. He says, I will do it on one condition. If you don't pay me, you don't pay me. He's still over there doing it to this day. When your reward is in heaven, you don't look for one here on earth. When your treasure is stored in heaven, you can give away your treasure here on earth. Why are you giving everything away? I got tons in heaven. I'm good. Have you seen my 401k in heaven? We're good. I don't need all this stuff. Look, in all seriousness, you you guys know me. I like cool stuff. I like having fun. I like doing adventures. I love all that stuff. I enjoy technology. I, I, I love the pleasures that we get to enjoy here in LA. They're a blast. They're fun. But they cannot be our world. And the second that we can't Nobody can pry them from our fingers and we can't give freely. The second that we are now desiring all this praise for ourselves, and we've lost sight of God, we've lost sight of eternity, we're going off the deep end. We're missing the whole point and we're wasting time here on earth. Jeremiah 17.10, the Lord, I the Lord search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. It had to take me a long time even to start being trying to be generous with what I have. I think it's because we didn't have a lot growing up. And so everything that I gained, I didn't want to give it away. But I'm learning as I grow older that stuff doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. And I'm telling you, as you just start giving and giving and giving, you start, this is what happens in the mind. Your mind kind of doesn't care about it that much anymore. And you're like, oh, another one will come along. You get another. It's okay. It's no big. You just kind of don't care. You're like, it's all right. It's all right. 
It's not that actually I didn't even like it that much. I thought I did, but I gave it away. Now I kind of don't even care about it. And I, well, look at another one came along. No big deal. It's amazing how that works. One final verse and we'll close. Second Corinthians 8, 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. He didn't show up in a Bentley. He didn't show up in a mansion. He had no place to lay his head. He went to the cross and died a criminal's death so that you could be wealthy in eternity. Amazing king. We serve the greatest king in eternity. And we should reflect him. Amen? Let's, re- let's, let's reflect on his gospel as we pray. Let's all stand up. Let's go before the Lord. Lord, we thank you that you... You alone have provided all things for us. We have everything we need. We really do. First, we have everything we need in you. You've saved us. you filled our account with righteousness. You've forgiven us of all of our debt. Spiritually, we are free. And our account is full in you. And Lord, now you, you provide for us. You take care of our needs here on the earth. You've given us time. You've given us talents. You've given us resources. And we know these are ultimately to bring you glory. Thank you, Lord, for letting us enjoy what you've given to us. Now we gladly give back to you. We worship you with what you have given us. We honor you with what you've given us. I pray, Lord, that you would help us again to reflect on your good news. That we were sinners, lost, running in a desert place, and you found us, and you've forgiven us and saved us, and we thank you for blessing us with a beautiful life here on earth, with you, and a beautiful life in eternity. We're blessed. We believe your message. We believe the gospel once again. We turn away from our sin. We put our faith and trust in Jesus wholeheartedly. We give you our lives again. Use us for your glory. This week, this month, this year. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.